this is where I go. Like, and this is what I'm going to stand on after being educated and having these beautiful conversations with you guys is, but I, I want to go back to the agency because I'm going to fucking tell you, there's no reason why we're not having this kind of conversation. There's no reason like, like having you got like somebody like one of you uh, just talk to these agencies, talk to these fucking cops and be like, yo guys, like, you know what I mean? Like what you said one time about, yo, like you don't even know, but you've got fucking bias. Cause I was raised all white. My girl, Sierra, she's the only black girl that I fucking hung out with. I mean, that was it. It was just you growing up my whole life, you know, but, but that's it. You know what I'm saying? And so I do, but, but I didn't know that. Like right. until you pointed it out to me in a very respectful, but honest way. And you're like, yeah, but look at him. Like this person's not like you, but so you're going to try to, you're going to like, you know, work with a person that's like you, or you're going to talk to the people that are like, you the way that you talk to them and that could be offensive and you could get you know you could get offended when when a black person starts swearing and yelling at you but they they're they're not really yelling at you they're just telling you like they're just talking like, to you. right what's up everybody i'm really excited to have you here today's uh podcast uh unlike anything ever that i've ever really done to be quite honest with you um this is a two and a half hour long conversation that um was meant to be a coaching call <laughs> this is not supposed to be a podcast episode however it came out so brilliant it was so expansive it is something i believe all first responders need to listen to um that i am giving it to you now Here's what you need to know. This is a conversation amongst all first responders. I have four black people. I had two of them were both cops. Two of them um, were spouses. And then I had a white police officer, myself, another white police officer, and a white dispatcher uh, on this call. And it really is educational. I think it's something that we need to be talking more about and I'm excited to share it with you. Um, it's going to be this, this. I'm going to warn you. It, it may trigger you, um, but I don't care because I think you need to be educated. And I'm going to tell you up until this conversation, I was not properly educated. I was not properly educated on the Black Lives Matter movement. I thought Black Lives Mattered was, you know, something against blue lives. And today, after just having you know, a two and a half hour long conversation um, with, you know, black first responders and spouses and hearing their sides of the stories and their opinions and what really is going on, um, I became informed. And so my goal is to inform you. And at this point, you may be like, Autumn, like I never saw this coming from you. But here's what I have to say. I back all first responders and that includes black lives. And I don't know how I can set out and say that I'm changing the culture if I'm not even going to touch this topic when this is a topic that affects and impacts so many people. And so I'm sharing it with you. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, I hope that you find it as uh, insightful as I did. And um, I hope that you enjoy. These are conversations that I never had on the road. They, we do not have these conversations. Does that make sense? Oh, and yeah. we don't like, like as a, as a white police officer, nobody explained to me the significance of black lives matter. Nobody. So what happened is my perception of it. And Don, I want to hear what you have to say. 
my perception of it became it was either Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter. And that has been my perception for the last five or six years. I don't know if Corinne and John as being in law enforcement, if you, if, yeah, see, you can, and, and Dawn, what's, tell me about you. Tell me what your perception is. Tell me about it, please. Okay. So for me, it's a little like, a boat. I don't know, I won't say both. So like, yeah, so I'm black. My dad's half black, half white, and he's a retired FBI agent. So I have the whole, like, one time, you're black, and you got the law enforcement side. And so I usually just skip over posts like that, you know what I mean? Especially when you grow up and your parents are law enforcement, you learn to just kind of weed things out, or you're like, people don't know what they're talking about. So I just a lot of times just skip over what people are talking about. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? And so then, like, I actually made a post on Instagram today because I finally felt like I've been reading some, I have a lady friend talk, and then another friend of mine who's like a vegetarian and she's like anti-animals, like you can't talk about eating chicken because she's like, oh my God, I've got to save the chickens. But come on, I mean, chicken stays good. But so, so uh, she had posted something about rioting and looting. And so my lady cop friend was just like, hey, that's not cool, you know? And she didn't, she said it to me, she didn't, she's like, I can't really have that conversation with her yet. So I understood, but I was like, oh no, I understand. I was like, yeah, protesting is fine, writing and looting not fine. And so then, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but then a Metro officer was shot in the head last night and there were two officer involved shootings. So um, so, I, so I woke up in the night and my friend was on work. So I was like, hey, how's it going tonight? There's more protesters. She's like, no, but somebody did get shot. So then today when I woke up, I decided to make a little post. And it was just kind of, I said like, you know, all lives matter. I said, you know, it doesn't matter if black, white, purple, Chinese, Japanese, everyone matters. And then as like a black person and law enforcement kid, I understand both sides. And then there's both sides to the, that nobody can understand. Like you said, like, if you're not black, you're almost like to be black. If you're not white, you're almost like to be white. If you're not a man or a woman, you don't know what it's like to be on the other side. And so I said, you know, there's just, and like I posted on, I think our next level the other day, like there's just a lot of hard conversations that have to be had. And I basically kind of said the same thing, like, you know, everyone just has to come together and be compassionate and understanding and willing to talk to the other side to figure out what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to heal? And so, thank you, Dawn. I just want to say welcome. thank you for sharing. And if I, if I make you feel uncomfortable, you just say autumn. No, mm-hmm. not at all. No, I just get cheery when I get nervous. So it's just, if you can see on there, just nervous. No, don't be nervous. Then, yeah. And then also another thing too, is that because I was raised with a dad in law enforcement, like I lived a different lifestyle than like the stereotypical, you know what I mean? So then there's that part of those, like, I don't understand, you know, like for the most part, cause I look different, you know, so there's like dress and cars and stuff. So sometimes I go places and people know like, oh, you're not one of those black people, but then I can still go somewhere and have people watching me, you know what I mean? So like, let's say I could walk into Nordstrom and I fit into Nordstrom, like the person who would shop there, you know what I mean? And then but sometimes if you go to somewhere else, like let's say it was at a shopping mall and I go to a certain store, maybe someone's going to follow because they're like, oh, that's a black person. Does that make sense? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so for me, it's like kind of all over the place and I get both sides and I just think a lot of people, there's just, like you said, there's just conversations just have to be at. Like obviously nobody agrees with what happened the other day. And then something like I look at it too is, you know, like we don't know what happened before that situation. Like to me, when I look at the video, I don't see a cop on a black man's neck. I see a bad person on a black man's neck or on a person's neck. You know what I mean? Like that's how I see because, you know, at that point, sometimes some cops, it's just all about power. It's not about their race. 
It just happens to be two different races, but it's more of a power game. And to me, that's more what I saw. Because he had, like, his hands in his pocket, and he was just, like, hanging out on his neck. You know? And I only watched, like, a few seconds. Like, I couldn't watch the whole race. Right. Right. And so, yeah. I was like, he's just hanging out on his neck, waiting for him to die. Like, that's just a bad person. Yeah. I mean, he's just the same as those guys in Georgia with the jogger situation. Yeah. Which is awful. Well, thank you. And You're welcome. I love this. And do you guys, I hope you don't mind that we're going here, but this is what I think. I think that these are the conversations that have to be had. Right. And I think that we're going to be so much better off. And, um, so we have Nick and I told you guys about Nick. He's my Miami cop. He actually worked for NYPD. He's probably talking to his kid or his wife right now, but he'll be back. <laughs> um, he's, he's got, he's got both of his bambinos home with him. And so <laughs> he's, he's busy, but, um, yeah, he worked at NYPD. Actually, the the precinct he worked out was the precinct that got taken over a couple a couple of nights ago by riot. So, I wanted Nick to come on because Nick is also a cop, but clearly he's black, right? So, I want to talk about that. I want to have these conversations. And then Sierra, um, she is she said she just woke up. She's your standard. She lives in Arizona, Don. So she's okay. like, she's like I'm here. See, Sierra is, um, her husband has passed away this year, but he was in the military, but she, um, she has been, so growing up, she grew up with me. She's been one of my best friends since we've been in like the fourth grade. She's, um, also she's black and she and I had a beautiful hour and a half long conversation last night that really like, just like, it was like, oh my gosh, like why can't, as a cop, these are the conversations. This is the education that we need. And I didn't, I didn't have that. And so it's really funny because this is my prayer and you guys know how I am. As I said, universe for this call, can it, whatever has to come out and whatever has to be said, can you please have that happen? And then as I'm on, John is listening to one time music pop off about everything. And then I like message Sierra and Nick and I'm like, just come on. Like, this is good. Like, I would love to have you come on. Um, so anyways, um, anyways, so, um, Nick, please, can you just talk with us a little bit? Like, talk with us about what, what do we need to know? Like, talk to us about it. We got to know that it's, it's a complex thing, you know, like, I mean, it's, like I was listening before I came, you know, the video I just sent you from Michael Wood, right? So he's talking about, he talks about it from like an enforcement standpoint, right? But the one thing he keeps mentioning all the time is about empathy and compassion. And I know I get like, sometimes people give me crazy looks because I say off the wall shit. Like if you were a cop in the ghetto, you can't be there for more than like three years. You can't, you got to rotate out because that will destroy you. I mean, look, I did, what, 15 years? And I was like, yo, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like, you know, I, I lost, like, my uh, my bedside manner, you know? I still have a lot of work to do. I'm still kind of angry. You know, my friends try to, you know, that are still cops, you know, they still try to, like, calm me down because they know I get all pissed off and super critical. So it's something that I got to work on, you know what I mean? That's 15 years of, like, trauma that has to be fixed. And it ain't coming easy, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I literally had to, you know, like now for some people who I don't know on here, I'm actually um, training to be an airline pilot. So 
one of those things is learning how to be in a white collar job, learning how to interview, learn how to talk to people because that's the ultimate customer yeah. service job. So, you know, and it ain't like police unions can save your ass, you know, like they'll, they'll fire you quick, you know, they don't care. Cause there's like 10 other people there waiting to get on that job, you know, that you just have, especially places like American Airlines and Delta, you know? So it's taking time, you know, but besides all that, you know, it, it's, it's such a multifaceted conversation that needs to be had. Like, I mean, it's empathy. It has to do with, you know, some of the shit we do as cops, like like the, the toxic cultures, you know what I mean? Like NYPD, let me tell you. And I know, I, I love my friends from NYPD. I mean, I left that place, what, 12, 11, 12 years ago? And I still talk to my old partner. Her and I talk maybe every other day, you know? So from like the camaraderie standpoint, awesome place to work. From any other standpoint, completely toxic. It is the worst place to work. They don't respect the officers. So how how you gonna want if you are, you can't respect officers? How you gonna have somebody respect the community when you don't you treat the officers like this? You can't. You can't. It's impossible. You go to work every day and it's just like you're like, oh my god, I may eat my gun one of these days because I have to come in here, right? Real funny story, kind of quick. So I had this cop that I used to work with, old timer. You know, spent too many years in the ghetto, and uh, he would come into the command every day that he worked. And he would discharge his handgun, <laughs> right? But he would discharge it in like, there's like, you know, like the firing bays that they have, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the weapon or whatever. He would discharge his gun in there every day because the thing was, it was a command log entry. He ended up getting psyched off the job eventually. Yeah. But the fact that he came in there and did that tells you the kind of culture that is within that department. Yeah. You know, it's horrible, you know? So that's kind of why they had the problems they have, you know? I mean, and there's other books on it. There's studies on it. Like, you know, like the Rand Institute did one. You know, this other guy named Jack Maple did, like, an amazing book on it. You know, but it, it starts at home. It starts with the home. You can't police a community. You can't do any of these things. You can't fix any of these things until you fix the structure that's within right there. You got to fix the structure. You got to fix the hiring. You got to fix the academy. You know, and the thing is that nobody wants to pay for it. Nobody wants to face it. Like, yo, man, I was a part of that shit. Like, I'm a part of this institutionalized bullshit that goes on and why people are pissed off. Well, and see, that's why. Okay. And so that's why I'm I'm loving that we're starting these conversations, because I realized talking with you, Nick, through talking with Sierra, through this beautiful conversation I just started to have with Don, like... There is so much that being in like, like, before you even came on, like John and Corinne both agreed with me. We are not, oh, there's our beautiful Sierra. We are not taught. Like it's either black lives matter or it's blue lives matter. And there is no in between. And Sierra was- And the problem and like the problem that I've always had, not to cut you off, but the problem that I've always had with blue lives matter is that it's, it's almost egotistical. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're like, it wasn't good enough to say Black Lives Matter. So you're like, all right, well, you know what? My life matters too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put flags and everything. And I'm going to say Blue Lives Matter all the time. You know? <laughs> and you're like, yo, they're not even arguing with you, though. They're just saying, don't treat me like a piece of shit. <laughs> like, okay, that's all but, they're saying. But this is the conversation, though. Because when Sierra told me this yesterday. And I was like, what? Like, 
wait a minute. I thought this was, I thought it was either had to be one or the other. I thought it was, I thought this is where the war was. And, and, but you have to understand, I mean, John, Corinne, you're both in, you're both in law enforcement. Like, isn't that what, that's what we're taught. Like we are not taught black lives matter is peaceful. We're not taught black lives matter. No, is. But, but listen, like they poison you. So like they poison us all so bad. Right. And I'll yeah. give you a perfect example. So when I first started becoming a cop, right, and it's kind of getting a little political, but it's all encompassing in the conversation, right? So when I became, first became a cop, you know, I used to be a Democrat, and I was like, all right, you know, this is what I believe, you know, my parents, you know, because they're, they're old school boomers, you know, so they, this is what they believe, right? Yeah. Then you get to be a cop, and then your political, like, your whole political stance changes, right? So now you're either, like, Republican, like, hardcore, right, you know, instead of being in the middle. Like, you go from being in the middle to being completely the other direction, right? Because other cops will say, man, you have to do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the reality of it is, like, all of the unions are actually Democrats. <laughs> like, union, wow. a union in general is a Democrat institution, right? Republicans hate unions. They union bust. So why is it so staunch to have just one side of the coin? You know, and no one ever says that. No one ever says like, you know, hmm, maybe I should just be in the middle. Like for me, I am very down the middle, especially after leaving that world of police. I am very down the middle. Like I am, you know, when it comes to the right, I am very like, like financially, fiscally responsible. But then I have like, you know, real, you know, liberal values. Like I I want everybody that's gay to be married, but I want to keep my guns. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, 100%. so that, that's how that's how it comes off, you know, but it, it's like little things like that. Like, it's just it's a real like cultural thing, you know, and no one ever approaches it or talks about it. And even if they do, they get beat down like I did. You know, well, so I talk like, I talk about training all the time. Can you, they don't want to hear you, it. I know. Well, I care. And I'm going to make sure your voice is heard. So I continue to make sure your voice is heard. I've had him Always. on the podcast several times. I make him come to <laughs> all of my trainings because he's coming yep. with me. Um, so, but Nick, can you explain? And then, Steer, I'm going to get to you. And Don, you hop in whenever you want to. Corinne, John, same thing. Let's make this a roundtable discussion. But the um, my question, Nick, is I don't know what it's like if you're black cop. It's all right. So, what it's like to be a black cop? I'll tell you right now. So, it's difficult only because the black, depending on how black you are, because you know there's, there's different levels of black, right? I know like, you're gonna laugh. It's true though. It's true. I didn't know that there was different levels. Explain that to oh, me. There's different levels, right? So there's like Malcolm X black, you know. So like you're all the way like blackly black, 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 right? And then there's like. Caribbean, right? Because my parents are from Trinidad and Tobago. So I'm West Indian. So I have cousins that are white as you. You know what I'm saying? I got Hispanic looking cousins. I got Asian looking cousins. I mean, you know, like the old joke is Trinidadians, we fuck everybody. So, you know, that's why we always got them cousins, right? So I grew up in like a real different kind of household. Like I knew I was always black, but it was like, it was a different level. You know what I'm saying? And then you got people that, you know, that, that hey. So, sorry about that, children. Oh, um, you know, yeah, like I said, like, there's different levels. And then within the police organizations, right, you have, you have black officers that they only believe, like, yo, they got to be down, 
Wait, we lost you. Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm leaving. <laughs> Brothers and sisters fighting all day, right? So then you got officers, right? Like that only believe like, yo, if you arrest a black person, it's like, like, yo, you shouldn't have done that. Like they want to be buddy buddy with the cops and I, and with like people in the street. And I didn't. I, I was never like that. I was like, yo, I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna be down the middle. Whatever, right? So then you get beef with those other black cops that feel like that. So now there's eternal beef with each other, right? Because they'll spend their whole careers trying to be down with everybody in the, in the neighborhood. I'm not like that. Like, I, I'm just not, you know? But they have a problem with you with that, you know? And I experienced that a lot with my last police department. Not so much in New York, but in Miami, you know, because there's a lot of minority officers here in South Florida. So if you're not buddy-buddy with the clique, you know, it's a problem. Sierra, what do you do you have anything to say about like what can chime in and inform us? Tell us anything that like you want to. Well, I mean, just listening to Nick, you know, a lot of things are just running in my mind, just thinking about like the relationship between like he said, there's different levels of black, right? And I was just Don's laughing at you. I'm over here like, <laughs> explain this to me. <laughs> well, you know, a little bit the other day I was telling you, like, even you know, Black Americans and even Africans, like, there's oh, a separate yeah. in there too, you know? Like, I remember I was getting my hair done by an African lady, and I don't know, it's kind of funny, I don't know if she realized that I was a Black American, but they were like, kind of trash talking like Black Americans being like, I don't know why they call themselves African Americans, like, they don't know nothing about Africa, and I'm like, well, I'm kind of on my fault, but, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> But it was just, it's interesting. And I, and like, you can kind of see it in movies when it comes to like black officers too. Cause it's like, you know, as I was telling you, it's always like a little tension between the black community and like law enforcement, just because of the American history, you know? And it's just like, you know, some people may look at black officers as traitors as sometimes, you know, to the culture, because it's like, oh, okay, you're gonna be over there, you know? And then other times, you know, people are for it. Cause like I said, my uncle served 21 years with Phoenix PD. Like I wanted to be a detective because of him, you know? But I Actually always felt this internal <laughs> conflict, you know, because it's like, you know, police, like that's kind of like, oh, that's kind of scary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, will my people look at me differently, you know? Like, would they like accept me like that in the recent movie? What was it? Um, oh gosh, it was, it was about uh, a black female officer. Oh, Black versus Blue. I have it on my DVR, I gotta watch yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I remember seeing the trailer like, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, that's always like that internal conflict, I feel like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, mm, where does your loyalty lie? You know what I mean? So it was just kind of interesting to hear Nick kind of talk of that because it's a real thing, you know? It is. It, it's, it's just, it's messed up, but it is, you know, like you out there, you're like, all right, you know, I get it, you know, whatever. But a lot of officers really have a problem. Like I, you know, I used to always be against like the black paternal organizations, except one. I was one of them. I was actually like a really, you know, uh, part of, which was the Guardians. So I think they like do like New York, Philly, D.C., Boston. So we always get together. They have really good boat rides, by the way, um, and parties. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that was a, a really like big thing, you know. So it's it's really difficult to find other black officers that you have shit in common with. Where you're like, all right, 
Okay. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to be this. You know, I'm going to do my job and go home. And it's, oh, my God, it's so hard. So hard, man. I mean, in, like, 15 years, I probably found three that I'm, like, really, like, cool with. Wow. See, okay, so, like, Corinne, John, we don't face that, right? I mean, like, there's people who are, like, we're, like, are we down with, right? Do we jive with them? But, like, it's never like that. Like, what you're saying, Nick and Sierra, like, I mean, I don't know. Don, have you experienced that, like, what they're talking about? Yeah, the different levels of Black people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because even like she said, like you know, the like people that are from Africa they come to America, they're like, like what she said about like you're not from Africa, you're from America, so you're just black. I'm like, oh, oh, like you said, it's not my fault, you know. Um, <laughs> but then you have like yeah, and then you have like you know, there were like where I went to school was a small town, and so um, it was an older town too, and so we happened to live in the newer houses. Over all the black girls, was like, oh, well, you're a rich black person because you can live there. And I'm like, me, I was like, I'm not rich because if I were rich, I would live in this neighborhood in general. We live over that neighborhood, you know what I mean? And so people were, and then I got my hair done, not braided. So then there was like that level of things. So like, oh, you guys have money to get your hair done. Like, well, yeah. But then it's like, my dad makes a different level of money, you know, not that we we're all spending it, but you know what I mean? It's just a different lifestyle than if you're like on the food stamp, you know what I mean? And so, other people, I remember even in high school, this one kid was like, you talk white. And I was like, I just talk educated. You know, I'm not trying to yep. talk white. You know? Oh, yeah. that's a whole other speech. Yeah, and then it's interesting because then when Facebook came out, you know, he friendly messaged me, and I was like, look, see, look at your pictures. I could tell by your lifestyle. Like, you were trying so hard to be black. You went down, like, a different area than, like, where I, you know what I mean? And it wasn't, me, you know, no judgments. I'm just saying, like, you were so caught up in being black, like look where it led you. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, that the the whole oh you talk white thing? Ooh, that's that's a whole other conversation, boy. Oh right. my god, <laughs> hated that growing up. Yeah, and so like, yeah, it's just like and then like it's just a lot going on. And then you have like just the whole history of things, you know. So for me, like like with uh, Nick, multicultural family, everybody and anybody's married into my family, you know. Because when you think you're at like United Nations when you come over. And then um what was I gonna say? And then uh I don't know what I was gonna say, so I'll just say. <laughs> oh, so then then he was born in or raised in San Francisco, where it's like one love everyone loves one another, it's all peace and love and everyone, you know, matters, you know. So to be to live in California, race is really for the most part not an issue, you know? And like you see some things now on TV, but like when I was growing up, it was like you want you were more likely to be judged on what you were wearing or what toys you had than being black or anything. And so uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, oh yeah, so let's say so like going to different states is weird for me because of I know like in Georgia it's different. And so I'm very aware that when I'm in Georgia that I'm black, where if I'm in San Francisco, I'm just in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, let's talk, I mean, my white people in here, <laughs> like, these are beautiful conversations. We don't deal, we have no idea, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I guess the closest thing that I've come to it is, obviously, I don't hide my tattoos. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm not the stereotypical, you know, white police officer. Jeez, Apple Watch. Um, when I first decided, you know, when I looked through my current department's general orders on tattoos, because I had always wanted to, you know, 
have something at least down my arm. Um, my first department had a strict rule, nothing visible while you're in uniform. The department I work for now is, is long, um, at that time it was nothing offensive, which was very broad. So um, I was kind of the first officer in the department and I was relatively new there. I think I had a year and a half um, and I went and got, you know, my arm completely done, which has a whole different side story, um, which let's see, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was, uh, it was about a year when I was there. I was always in a habit of taking my dog for a walk before I go for work. I go for a run, then I take my dog for a walk as kind of my cool down. And then I'd shower and get, you know, going to work. Well, it was like any other day. All I would carry was my apartment key and my cell phone in case something happened to me or the dog. Um, a guy came out of the woods with a pair of scissors and tried to rob me of my phone. Oh. And you can kind of see it yeah. right by my finger. He stabbed me with a pair of scissors. Because oh, wow. my first reaction was, are you fucking kidding me? I'm a police officer. So, and then you're like, where's my uh, gun? <laughs> and I was like, I'm running because they have no pockets. And <laughs> that's one of the things that um, was the reasoning behind getting my tattoo. And I still get picked on about it. And it's been, let's see, that happened in 2012. Um, so I still get picked on by my coworkers. Oh, yep, you got stabbed by a pair of scissors or they mention scissors and they're like, oh, nope, don't mention it. He'll, get, he'll have PTSD. And you want to know what? I, in a way, I, I still do. Um, you know, who's the reminder of it? Um, the, you know, the kid that, that stabbed me, he was 21 at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, he's due up for parole in a couple years. So it's, it's like one of those things, you know, that, that I'm not afraid to, you know, tell people when I'm taking a report from them, be like, you know, you can see that I'm tattooed. This is why. And I can sympathize with you because this has happened to me. Um, but when I first got this to get back on my, off my tangent, get back on the, what I was going to say, um, the chief at that time and the second in command, they didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, come right out and say it, but they hated it. I, hmm. I was passed over for, uh, for details. And I know that was, you know, even my coworkers were like, yeah, they, they don't like your tattoo. And I was like, so, so. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, I'm like, I don't do anything different other than I've got some, you know, color on my arm. If anything, I think they were expecting people to complain about my tattoo. And I think I had more people, you know, admit to crimes, more victims be open to me because they could say, okay, you're not the cookie cutter white police officer that is clean cut. You know, you can't tell now I have hair, um, but I would, you know, had the military haircut, you know, very little hair, high and tight. You know, this was kind of 
it broke down that barrier of, you know, I, I don't have a stick up my ass or I wasn't, you know, beat up in high school or right. grade school and I'm trying to arrest everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- that's kind of the closest thing that, you know, I've had to deal with in reference to that. You know, and that's not um, even anywhere near what yeah. that, is, <laughs> that That doesn't, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I I was listening to your story. It made me wonder, like, how do you guys deal with discrimination within the agency? You know what I mean? Like, for example, like the whole good cop, bad cop. Like, have you ever witnessed any bad cop? And if you did, like, did you speak on it? Or do you feel comfortable to speak on it? (laughs) Oh. You know, I got like, I got a couple stories for that. Okay. I've got I'm one too. Battle, <laughs> you know, so it's like you look gonna be going to battle within, you know, and it's like, what do you do? You know, you might mess around, screw yourself over by speaking up. You know, like what do you do in those situations? Well, I think it comes from like uh, I'm very old school, so you know, it helps sometimes. Sometimes it's bad, but uh, I always believe in handling things on a cop level. Yeah. It's a bad, it's actually a bad thing to have because sometimes you don't, you do need to go to hire people for it. But, you know, that was just the kind of generation that kind of, kind of got brought up in. And I always remember the first time I ever uh, was like on a car chase here in Miami. So we're there, whatever. The guy bails out. We catch him, you know, he gets the street tax. If you don't know what the street tax is, he gets his ass whooped because he ran from us and caused mayhem and hurt other people. Right. So... He catches the street tax and we're done. We're done because the cuffs are on at this point, right? So the cuffs go on, we're done. This cop or cop from another jurisdiction comes over and kicks this guy in his fucking head. I lose my shit. I grab the cop. I actually punch the cop in the face, right? So now they're like, so now, okay, we got, we have a whole scene of people going crazy because we just had a full out car chase you know, and guns getting drawn and shit, right? The guy is getting his ass whooped. We're done whooping his ass. Now we're putting him in the, in the paddy wagon. And a cop comes over, and now two cops are fighting. So just put that scene in your head. <laughs> How chaotic that would be. So, yes, yeah, so I reached over, teed off on the cop. I was like, bing! I was like, yo, don't you ever do that shit again. I was like, yo, we're not going to get indicted for your dumb ass. You know, and then, you know, and of course, because it's like typical, I don't know if you know South Florida bravado, right? Oi, bro, 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 bro. What are you doing, bro, bro, bro? You're not in the blue line, bro. So all of that. And I was like, no, he just teed off on a guy. I was like, are you kidding me? And, and, and eventually the cop apologized, but I was like, don't apologize to me. Apologize to the dude you kicked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, and, and is that cop? still employed i don't know probably you know maybe 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 not because you know people like that always end up fucking up and getting jammed up anyway but yeah there's been tons of times like that you know and did it, you it, it's crazy like the backlash like you know was it you know well i i for me i didn't really get a lot of backlash from it because people kind of agreed with me and they and i could fight so you know they were like well <laughs> Nick's definitely not afraid to punch anybody in the face. <laughs> so maybe we'll leave this one alone. <laughs> you know? So that, that was my experience. I mean, it could have went a lot different, you know, if I was another kind of officer that maybe didn't have a very, like, you know, outgoing personality, you know? 
it might have gone different. But nah, I wasn't having that shit. I ain't going. I ain't going to jail for you. No, no. You know. Do you think so? We need a little more of that, and maybe if something like that would have happened in Minneapolis, you know what I mean? If some guy absolutely, yo, I'm telling you, if I was on that scene in Minneapolis. If I was on that scene in Minneapolis, yo, first of all, I'm not letting you take my call. That's the first thing. Because if you read the arrest affidavit on that call, yeah. he wasn't the initial officer to respond. Mm-hmm. He was actually the secondary officer. Yep. Got to read the, got to read the affidavit, right? He convicted this guy off of two minutes off of talking to a freaking store owner, right? For a bullshit charge of uttering a, a forged instrument, which is the money, right? Mm-hmm. How many times, especially like places like South Florida, like the Colombians, they come here and they they pass over fake money all the time. Anybody yeah. could do that shit. You, yeah. That's not even an actual charge. You're supposed to give it to Secret Service and let them handle it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know it, that that's actually what happens, and I know that's a universal rule. That's not even a Minneapolis, Minnesota thing, oh, or a Florida thing, or New York thing. Right. That's everybody. Right. So you're gonna collar a guy for for a bullshit forged instrument, right? Instead, and you didn't even talk to him. So. And you took the call away from the rookies, right? Because I wouldn't let that happen. It's my call is my baby. I, ca- I catch it, I clean it, you know? <laughs> so as soon as I see him putting paws on my guy, I'm going to go, yo, listen, my man, go ahead, and, go ahead and clear. I would even go over the radio and do it. I've done that before. I'm like, hey, yep, have that unit clear. Um, if you, we need the supervisor over here because this unit doesn't want to clear. So now I just do two things. I clear that officer and I put it on the sergeant now. So now the sergeant knows that this, I don't want this person on my scene. They can read between the lines, right? But they're rookies. They don't know how to do that. They don't have, like, the, the quote-unquote moxie to do that because these guys are 20-year dudes. So they're dinosaurs. They don't want to mess around. You know, they just got there. They want to keep their jobs. I get it, you know? But at the same time, I didn't give a shit. I mean, but that's me, though. I'm like, I don't care if you have 50 years. It's my call. I'm going to handle it the way I'm going to handle it. Right. If you want to take primary... No problem. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up. I'm going to clear myself off the call, and I'm going to leave you with the bag of shit. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the other option. Right. You know? Yeah. So there could have been tons of ways to skin that cat, you know? And that's why I kind of really hold all of them guilty to a certain extent. You know? So can I ask you, so I would like to know collectively why? So a lot of the question has like floated around as to why why was that the like the straw that broke the camel's back eric garner was the the first one and this was the next (laughs) that's all this was and this one is worse than eric garner because this guy genuinely wanted to do it yeah it 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 looks bad no matter it doesn't matter if it was a black person on a black person or white person Mm -hmm. on white person it looks bad every which way you can cut that yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was you know, his, like his knees on his neck and his hands are in his pockets. Mm-hmm. It's like nonchalantly, I'm just I'm yep. you know, I'm here and you know, no matter what the video was, you know mm-hmm. he said he had trouble breathing. From what I heard, um I haven't heard everything at least from it, but he said he had difficulty breathing before he was even on the ground. Yeah. So, for me, it's I think like, he had okay. a panic attack. Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. you want to want if he's having a panic attack, get you know, get him seated in the car because mm-hmm. where's he going to cause damage in the back of the car? Well, good. It's it's going to hurt you first. Right? So, 
I, I think it's just the fact of, you know, he's there kneeling and it's multiple minutes and he's, he's saying he can't breathe. You know, the public saying, Hey, you know, if you didn't hear, he, he's saying he can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And he's just, you know, nonchalant about it. It's all, you know, his body language and perception. He didn't give a fuck. He didn't give yeah. a fuck. And that's why, like, I really wish that I could be his ass. Because yeah. he didn't care. Yeah. And like, for real. I would, just, I would just take you out in the back. I would just take you out in the, in the back of the motor pool or the fleet. And I would tune you up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. For real. That's what, needs, that's what really needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> And the other officers were just as <laughs> just standing there looking around like it's just a pullover, you know? So it was like so, all four of them. Like the other officers, if one officer is doing bad, people that are non-officers, and I would have think that officer expect, like you guys, like you said, to police yourself. Like, hey, buddy, that's enough. You know what I mean? Like, okay, okay, he's good. You know what I mean? Or somebody, nobody did anything. So yeah. like so they're all equally, to me, well, more and more so, but they're all equally you know, it's a situation, you know, and I think, yeah, that was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back because yeah, it goes nine minutes and it's just, it's just straight torture. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. as that like unraveling, like at first initially, like the, obviously the most popular video, you know, you just see those two officers, but then you saw a different perspective and it was like other officers pinning his body down. And I was like, nobody's gonna call. Like, like there's so many people and not one person at one point was like, okay, let's just wrap this up, you know? <laughs> like, you know? So I think it was just so disheartening. And then of course the infamous, I can't breathe, like you said, Eric Garner, like, you know, you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, another one, you know, like mm-hmm. immediately, you know? And it's just kind of like, it's emotionally taxing, you know? And it's just, it's, it's, it's scary, you know, and at this point, like, we're already living in this, like, pandemic, you know, yep. fear, so everybody's already tense as it is, you know, and it's just kind of, like, anxiety is so high, you know, like, I was telling Autumn the other day, it's like, I went to go to Goodwill to go look for some baskets for <laughs> little decor, and I pulled up <laughs> next to this truck, and, you know, I got, like, the stickers and stuff, and I saw, like, the Blue Lives flag, and I was like, okay, what's up? And then the Confederate flag, and I was like, wait, what? I was like, I got so scared, I didn't know where to go in, and I was just, and I'm just wearing, like, workout spandex and a t-shirt, and I start to think, like, how can I make myself non-threatening as possible? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to become a target for this individual in there, and I had a Wounded Warrior hat in my car, you know, I keep on my dash. Um, memory of my husband so I'm like oh let me put this on because if they see that maybe they'll know like I'm friendly like I'm military friendly like I'm, I'm boring you know and I just like trying to make myself small or you know not threatening as possible mm-hmm. I was like, let me put this hat on maybe this could be my protection like they'll right. see me and they'll probably see this hat before they see my skin you know and I'm yeah. like, oh. but I had to sit there in the car real quick like do I really need these baskets? <laughs> no, I'm so scared. And, that, and, that's, and that's really kind of what I want to bring to the forefront is like when Sierra told me that, like Sierra's been my best, like one of my best friends since like fourth grade. I mean, honest. And, I, but, but it never dawned on me that like she has experienced or how common it is to experience racism. I, I didn't realize that. And, and I know you guys are probably like autumn. Right. But I'm like, I'm sitting here like I'm white. I have no fucking idea. And 
And because I don't really see color, like I literally look at like Sierra and I tell Nick all the time that he's my brother. Right. And so like for me, I, and I, and so what I'm trying to say is it's ignorance on my end, but I think that this is more of a conversation that needs to be had with more fucking white people, especially white cops. Like, you know, Sierra said to me last night, Nick, I know you want to blow up. So I want to, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so, but so like she said to me and this, and I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this is she was just like, look, like these protesters just want to be heard. Like just these cops just fucking let them like, they can be heard. Like, you know, and, and she was, you know, we talked about the years of oppression and slavery and we were just discussing these things, right, on top of the whole Black Lives Matter thing. And, like, I was having this conversation with my husband who went to fucking protests that turned into riots last night. And and I do agree that we have very left Antifa, very, very left, you know, BLM. Don't get mad at me, but it's true. You know, they, they do. Yeah, take, hell yeah. They're taking yeah, it. They're, they're assholes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it's the, you know, a two in a group, you know. <laughs> but, but the thing is, too, though, is, like, people like me, Corinne, John, my followers, a lot of people that are going to be there who are listening to me, they don't even, like, they don't realize. They have no idea what it's like to go to a store, see a Confederate flag, and be like, oh, well, they could want to, something could happen to me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Nick. I know you got some. Yeah, I know. Like, well, you know, it's crazy, right? So there's there's two kinds of racism, right? So like, and, and I've experienced both because I've been in different areas, right? So like up north, northeast racism is totally different, right? They're not going to be in your grill about it. They, they gonna, they'll do little like subtle shit, right? So like, let's say, I don't know, you want to buy a car. They will ignore you the entire time that you want to buy that car right? Mm-hmm. Or you want to go to a certain kind of school, right? Like the big, the big thing right now in New York City, if you're following it, you can actually look it up, is um, so there's, there's four specialized high schools in New York City, right? Brooklyn Tech, Bronx Science, Stuyvesant, and uh, one of the teaching schools. And white people right now are pissed off, like the hipsters that are not from New York for like, you know, initially are pissed off because too many black kids are beating out the other white kids for the spots in the school. And it has nothing to do with race. It's just, it's a numbers thing because the, um, like kids, kids and like black kids in America in New York know if you want to be one of the best high school students and get to like Harvard and shit, you got to go to one of these schools. So they start training from like sixth grade to get into these schools, right? So now all the hipster parents from like Ohio and all this other bullshit, they're all pissed off because they're like, oh, there's too many Asian kids and too many black kids going to school. So now what they're trying to do is they're trying to use their uh, political pressure to get um, the Blasio, which is the the mayor of New York City, to get rid because they can't win, they can't beat the, the, the minority kids at the standardized exam. So they're getting, they're trying to get the Blasio to get rid of the exam completely. Because now, and then turn it into a zone school. So now if it's a zone school, because there's nothing but hipster kids that live there, they're going to be the first ones to go to the school. Uh-huh. So you see that, that's the kind of bullshit, like, because you can't win. So now you're like, well, I'm going to change the rules. I can't win. Systematic racism. <laughs> right. That's all, that's systematic, right? Because everybody knows Brooklyn Tech, for example, they call that Hong Kong hot. Because all the Asian kids go there and all the black kids go there, right? 
that school has a 99% graduation rate. If you go to that school, you're going to get into Harvard. You're going to get into Yale. You're going to get into Dartmouth. That's a guarantee. You're going to get into West Point, right? Same thing with Catholic schools. Like when I went to Catholic school, right? You had to take an exam to get to Catholic school back then. So because people got pissed off at that, because that's right around when the hipsters were coming in, they, they actually pulled enough political pressure on the Catholic church to get rid of the exam. So now you want the same shit as me that I bust my ass for when you could be average? That's bullshit. <laughs> you know? So it's like shit like that. In the South, West Coast, very different. They're going to be out there with their shit. So now you can go through Davie, Florida, which is just north of me, right? And you'll see Jimbo with his freaking lifted truck and Confederate flag and shit. But he will, oddly enough, respect you because everyone in Florida has guns and we love guns. So they're like, hmm, now if I mess with, you know, Joaquim over there, he might be carrying a strap that I don't have either. So let me think, hmm, I have this pistol on me, but he's probably going to have an AR-15. So you know what? I'm going to chill and stay to myself, right? They're, they'll even work with you. I've had racist coworkers work with me. You know what? They don't even bother me because you know what? They'll have your back through it all, but for eight hours, right? <laughs> so for them eight hours that you at work, they're going to be cool with you, right? They ain't inviting you to their house. They don't, don't look at this girl. Don't do none of that shit. But for them eight hours you working, y'all going to be BFS. You might even eat together. So that's the, that's the different levels. So which one's worse? I don't know. You know, that's, that, that's, the, that's the hard question. Well, and, and to just, so I don't take up you guys, like I could sit here and talk about this all day. So I want to start, I want to like, so what can you, what as, as black members and specifically as a black cop, but then I want to hear as black people, what can you tell us about Black Lives Matter that we, we don't know? Because look, I mean, Kar I froze. Oh, no. I'm fucking no. And I'm frozen. There go you go. You're back. All right. Tell me. Somebody tell me something. Tell me about Black Lives Matter. Tell me. Well, I, I know when I was talking to you yesterday, you know, about the whole birth of Black Lives Matter. It's not that, you know, we're running around here saying only black lives matter you know the birth of it just came because you know the body count is really high and it's just kind of like all right you're really discarding us way too much now <laughs> you know and it's like all these situations where individuals are not even armed or you know they were reaching for a wallet or you know like they were just trying to get something and then you know and it's just like it's just too much of that so you know that's really the birth of it but um, I don't know, I don't, and that's another thing. It wasn't started to, um, it wasn't created to like start a race war either. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like saying like, hey, I know everybody else in this country see what's going on. Like, can we address this? You know what I mean? Like this is a problem and we don't mm -hmm. want to be the only ones to acknowledge that it's a problem like you know what I mean so it's like you got to put a name on it in order to talk about it you know what I mean otherwise it's just yeah. kind of like oh well 
person A, person B, and so on just died. No, this is a this is a whole thing. This is a whole problem, and so you know, you gotta put a name on it, kind of thing, to start talking yeah. about it. You know. Yeah, I think that. See, and John and Corinne, like, reflect back. Like, you, I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say because we are kind of part of the problem because we don't know this stuff. Like when she told me that yesterday, I was like, like, it was like everything went like this. Click, like, oh, because I was like, so I can be like, I can be a pro cop, but, and I can say Black Lives Matter because I, I give a shit, but mm-hmm. I, can, I can do this. And like, mm-hmm. it's not, that's, and Sierra's like, Autumn, nobody fucking said like, your life doesn't matter. That's, but that's not the problem. Like, that's not where we're going with this. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Right. So Corinne and John, like, tell me, tell me, like, like reflect anything back. Like that's good for you to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cause you know, one of the first things that I think of, you know, black eyes matter, you hear everybody say hands up, don't shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and you know, I would even say a week ago, if I heard a protest that was, saying that I was like oh okay this is this is what they're thinking they're anti-police this is you know yeah and and they lost you know they lost me right there they could be you know giving me the keys to the kingdom on how to make a million dollars by doing nothing but they lost (laughs) me right there just by you know what they're saying a hundred percent thank you John John you just said that so beautifully that and Nick (laughs) and Sierra and Don that's but that's what I'm trying to say like that is what I want the message to go out and like I know I know Nick's like yeah listen these cops ain't ready I don't give a fuck if they're ready I'm gonna say it because like because what John just said was that's exactly it you lost me you start Mm -hmm. going black and it's but for us and this is what I want you to know it's not because it's black lives matter it's because of what the far left has done to us and but I'm not I'm and the lack of fucking leadership within police, like the culture, first responder culture, who, why not bring like somebody like yourselves, Nick in and be like, yo, wait a minute, this guy's fucking black and we're gonna have a conversation about this because guys, like, let's talk. You know what I mean? Like, let's, what does this really mean? Like culturally, because we're the ones out there on the streets, we're the one talking to people. And if we don't know, like we've been walking around, like you totally lost me, you don't like me. Like those conversations automatically, they go downhill, right? I mean, John, you're a cop. I mean, they just kind of were just like, listen, we don't even see eye to eye, but that's not even what the movement is. The movement's not even, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I have to be honest, like yesterday I saw, um, one of my friends, she's a really good friend of mine. Um, she's a nurse for one of the hospitals and, um, she happens to be black and she put up a black lives matter. And I was just like, well, well, I'm like, hold on. I'm like, you know. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, what the hell's going on? I'm like. But really? <laughs> but, you know. I felt like something happened. I was woke up this morning and one of my really good friends did. And I was like, what the heck? You're like my best friend. You know I like want to be a cop. And then I work in that direction. So why are you doing it? And I mean, I grew up in Idaho and Utah. Okay. Two predominantly white states. And I'm, as you can tell, fair skinned and blonde hair. So I'm the opposite direction. So, but like, 
I've never really had that interaction until this agency that I'm working with now. One of my really good buddies that is there, he's a black cop. Our chief, our new chief that we just got from Chicago is also black. And so sitting there watching the riots that happened on Saturday were literally from my department. So we were. Uh-oh. No, keep going. What? I, either you lost me or I lost you. Who was it? it, it was yeah, froze okay. a little bit. Nothing happened on my end. <laughs> okay. Keep going. So you were sitting there and you were watching the riots. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to watch. And Reggie, one of my officers that is the one officer that's black, he's one of my really good friends. He works nights with me. He came in and he was like, this is ridiculous. The riots are too far. Mm -hmm. The the looting, the destroying of property is too far. And um, we had that kind of a similar talk is what we're having today. But it's it, it was very eye-opening because it was like, I never knew any of that. I grew up in a white, predominantly white society where there may have been one or two, even different races. Hold on. Back away from the cats. <laughs> um, and it's it's just it's eye opening. I don't even know. I it's I appreciate you guys and what you guys do and how you guys are open to talk about it for sure. Yeah, and no and one for being open too. Yeah. Well, guys, we have a very special guest who just fucking popped on. One time well, music is on. So he's, he's going to come on and we're going to continue this talk. He was popping off. Nick, have you met one time yet? I don't think so. Okay. I'm excited. You're welcome <laughs> on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and like sidebar though, too, like with Black Lives Matter, you know, that wasn't like a statement to say that blue lives didn't matter either. To, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was just but like- blue lives, blue lives took it on their own to, to say that though. That was yeah, the right. problem. And, and that's right. what I'm saying. You got to figure out the source too, because it's like black lives matter never said that, but it circulated social right. media could fire, you know what And I mean? then other cops would co-sign it, you know? And then they're like, you know, X, Y, because like, I, man, let me tell you, there's, so there's so many different, like how we talk about different cops in the culture, right? They got guys that, they only believe if you're not a cop, like you're a piece of shit. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I hate, I've always hated those cops. I even got roped in with those guys in a midpoint in my career. And I had to kind of back up and go, man, you know what? Man? Like, that sounds stupid as shit, you know? Especially, I think that that really happened a lot if you were a cop during like, um, like the Ferguson riots. Ooh, yo, I'm telling you, I, I've lost friends that I still don't talk to from today. Cops and civilians alike, you know, after that. Freddie Gray was a little different, you know, but the, but the one in Ferguson, yeah, that was bad. One time, I'm so excited to have you here. What's um, up? We, this is my mastermind, um, and we have talking? obviously, everyone like binges your music now. Um, okay. Just to give you just a bit of an introduction, um, Nick is a Miami cop. He just recently retired. He's going into okay. the airlines. Um, John over here is uh, he's a New York cop. Corinne's a dispatcher. My Sierra up top. Her wife, uh, her wife, her husband worked for the military, and Don is a police wife. And um, we 
we, I want, uh, when we first signed on, we all spent about 20 minutes listening to your live stream. Um, John was listening and we just, we love it. And, and I've been having a lot of conversations, um, one time because I'm white and I don't understand. And this is like, we've been talking about this for the last hour and I wanted you to come on and I just, I want to know what we need, one, what we need to know as, you know, first responders and two, how we can go out there and how we can make a change. Um, acknowledgement is number one. I think I kind of honed in on that point on the, on the Instagram live is acknowledgement, right? Uh, and I gave the example of, you know, when somebody goes to an AA meeting, what is one of the first requirements you know, it's not acknowledgement. I am a alcoholic or I am a whatever it is, whatever it is they may, may be. But I think historically our country hasn't acknowledged uh, its wrongs to African-Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we, if we look at the long history, if we uh, let's take it back to the first slave brought to America to 1964. Mm -hmm. I mean, we suffered from that point to 1964 with, you know, inequities in, in this country. And then, so it's, it's not that long ago that we were drinking from, you and I were drinking from separate fountains mm -hmm. or going to the back doors to eat at restaurants, mm -hmm. right? But at no point had our country ever said, you know what, we've messed up, guys. We need to acknowledge this. Yeah, pockets of people that have said it. Right, it's been pockets of people that have said, you know, what slavery happened, segregation was bad, like, you know, we messed up, you know, some of the redlining, you know, castigated African Americans in certain neighborhoods, which perpetuated a cycle of, uh, you know, black on black crime or drugs in the neighborhood. Um, when you think about uh, the crack e epidemic. Um, that, you know, tore, tore apart families in the 80s and 90s that disproportionately affected African-Americans. Nobody called, they call it a, a pandemic or epidemic and say, let's put some uh, mitigation factors in place to uh, help people out. We see that today, but we didn't see that back, you know, when it was adversely affecting African-Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Until we can acknowledge that. At no point have we acknowledged that. And when African-Americans say, it's a race issue or I get treated different at the job and, and it's probably because of my race. Eh, you're hypersensitive. You're, um, that's not real. Like you just need to work harder. Um, it's every excuse in the world has, is created to minimize what it truly is. Yeah. And it is racism. And it may not look like racism. The, uh, the book white fragility talks about it. Like, and I think we, you and I talked about it before. Mm -hmm. If you grew up in an all-white neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not racist. Like, you're not born racist. You grow up right. in an all-white neighborhood. Um, you only go to school with white kids. You may have mm -hmm. a white kid in the class, but you know no different. You're just living life. Mm -hmm. uh, you go to college, it's majority white, right? It's not racist, right? You just go to all white, you know, majority white college. You might have some black friends along the way, but for the most part, your life is white, right? That's not your fault. That doesn't make you, that doesn't automatically classify you as a racist. 
but now you're creating a unconscious bias that you've been uh, dealing with from the moment you were born till you got adult working age. So then when you get in a position of power, uh, your manager, let's, let's make it simple and say you're a hiring manager and it's time to bring on somebody. You look at their resumes and you see somebody that's similar to you. Went to a you know, school you know, close to yours, went to a college similar to yours. You're not racist, but you, you pick this person, right? You may have a black and white person. Let's make it black and white to make it simple. You chose the white person not because you are racist. You chose the white person because of unconscious bias. That's the greatest detriment to America right now is the fact that we don't have more. We've been, we're more separate. One can argue we're more separated now in this modern era uh, than we ever have been. One can argue, right? One can, we can drop the data to make it look any kind of way we want. But the neighborhood I live in is uh, probably 95% white, right? Like that's, that's an inequity if you look at it, right? If this would have been looked at in the 1960s. Um, but until the point we can acknowledge those facts, law enforcement will suffer. Now I will say, and I know I'm on my soapbox and I apologize everyone. No, this is why I wanted you here. This is why, let's have this conversation. Um, let's, I'm gonna I'm, be 100% I'm honest right now. I'm fucking pissed, right? I'm, I'm like mad. Like legit, just like right now, man. Like my my wife is upstairs. She's like, baby, I just know you're you're not in a good mood. And I'm just like, go to, if you go to my Facebook, you'll see why, right? Because I did the post about you know, little Blue Nation. Can we not just for a moment? Right? Yes, yes. For a moment, like just just stop. It's not about. I'm not talking about the looters and the the, the rioters, those criminals. I'm not talking about criminals. Yes. I'm not about. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about Black Lives Matters, the group. I don't necessarily follow their ethos, right? But when you talk about the African-American life in America, white America, Anglo-Saxons, uh, Mexicans who think they're white, Blacks who think they're white, um, need to say, you know what? There are some injustices in America. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, these tap dancing, fucking black folks that call themselves conservatives that are going online, you know, really just perpetuating the the pain, y'all, because they have these huge followings, right? Yeah. And they're they're putting propaganda out that's that's not factual, like. We need to acknowledge racism in America. Once we acknowledge racism in America, once police officers start holding each other accountable and saying, hey, buddy, you didn't have to use that kind of force. You probably could have did something else. Mm -hmm. Hey, buddy, hey, look, you don't have to talk to them like that. They human beings too. Mm -hmm. we've, been some, we, we've become so cliched in what we do online. We, we created this fake persona, like, you know, you know, I'm all for humans and we want to humanize the badge and, and nothing against them, but it's like, I want to humanize the badge and blah, blah, blah. You know, then injustices are, are coming up. Then it's like, well, nobody cares about the police. They don't care about us. Like, we're leaders. Like, yeah. you can take life, you can take freedom. 
Nobody, the president can't do that. Right. Right. So I don't care about your fucking pity party when you, you're crying about, you know, no one cries when a man down. Right. Mm -hmm. We know that. We know the society doesn't give two fucks about law enforcement officers. And frankly, my black ass is sitting right in the, in the middle of it because I'm black. Right. So I get called old. You you Sambo and you sell out and all that. And then you got the white folks that's like, oh, yeah, well, they shouldn't be killing each other, you know, or they shouldn't be burning their neighborhoods down and shit. So I'm like, in both of them, I really want to say shut the fuck up to both of you. <laughs> First off, ain't all black people out there burning up stuff. Right. I'm seeing most videos of white kids out there breaking shit and the extreme leftists out there that's doing the shit. You got the again. You got the ones that's calling me out. They the ones out here breaking the law too. So where where do I sit when I'm trying to have a dialogue pro law enforcement yeah. with a whole bunch of cops that don't want to be real? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. But this right, is they, they're but safe. This is, it. this is it one time, and this is this is why I am just so happy, and and this is why I'm I'm, I'm I feel so passionate about this because and you know as a white cop. I have been very uneducated about what Black Lives Matter, the movement, like just, just what you said, not way over here, not way over here, right? But just the movement. I have been told, we have been, okay, John, Corinne being white, right? We have been told it's Black Lives Matter or it's Blue Lives Matter. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, fuck that shit and Black Lives do matter because there are injustices. I don't, I want to, I can be a cop. I can be pro blue blood. Like you know that I am, that you are too. All of us are on here. But my question is one time is what I, what I want us to do is I want to know from you because I, and from Nick and Don and Sierra, like I want to know what, how do we move forward? How do we, how can we help? How can we be part of the solution and not the problem? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, if you, one is to want to change, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned David Goggins, and I, I don't know if either one, anybody yeah. on here, when they listen. Yeah. Um, hey, you America, see, Sierra, you watch the video. White America will be the change agents for anything that we do. Like, mm -hmm. I'm humble enough to say that, right? Like, yeah. whites make up majority of the U.S., right? Period. We make up 13% of the population in America. Right. It's going to be a hard conversation for whites to look in the mirror and say, you know what, we need to make change and we need to do it now. Right. LBJ had to go against the Democratic Party to, to vote for the civil rights, to push that through. He went against the party until we have people going against the blue, per se, to say, look, we do need to acknowledge this. We're on the front lines. We're in the streets. Cops are in the streets dealing with the shit that the, the white collar society people don't have to deal with mm -hmm. like your cops are in the streets dealing with you know you know teen pregnancy they're dealing with the drugs they're dealing with all this you know the scum and that's not to minimize people's lives just to say you're dealing with the people at the lower wrongs dealing with real issues daily mm -hmm. you have to be biased you have to be you know you have to be unbiased in how you do that and for white cops, it starts with you. It's saying, hey, look, I'm not going to go on a blog and preach on this bullshit. 
I'm going to call it out. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go against the flow. That's what we need. Like, just going, my Facebook page is a, is a, and that's what pissed me off, is the comments there are just so divisive. I haven't checked it. I'll have to go look. What, what's going on? I don't want to go because I'm probably going to get pissed off. I legit been so mad that I deactivated my Facebook for five yeah. days. And I'm probably going to keep it going for another week just because I don't want to deal with it. You know? Mm -hmm. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. They're like legit like we uh, we already acknowledged uh, 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 George, George Floyd. Floyd dying. Yeah. I'm like, motherfucker, that's yeah, like the tip of the iceberg. Right, exactly. That's it's the tip of the iceberg. Like, that's so, and it's fucked up to say it, but it's so minuscule mm -hmm. in, in the larger picture, you know? And it really is the tree, and no one wants to look at the forest. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it, it comes, like, I'm telling you, like, them cops that, and it really is, I think it's really a generational thing, because the cops that are, like, your 20, 25-year veterans now, they don't want to listen to shit. So if you told them, right, some 25-year-old veteran, the 25-year veteran, if you told them, you know what, you do need to acknowledge this shit, they're going to look at you and go, man, fuck that. They're not blue. I got to run them through NCIC before I believe them, right? They, right. they in that group of people, right? <laughs> and then the people, like, in the 10 to 15 years, even, like, even before that, right, they're going to be like, all right, you know what, let me listen to what you have to say. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I may not agree right now, but I'm going to at least give you your soapbox, you know? Yeah. So, and, and, and you really got to, you got to kind of target those people. You know, I think young cops are, are going to be fine. Yeah. You know, people talk yeah. a whole bunch of shit about millennials and, you know, Gen Z and all that other bullshit. Let me tell you, they're the fucking cops that are, that are actually listening and they're the ones that are training, right? I've been teaching firearms now for seven years. I don't get old timers in my class. I get young guys. I get rookies, right? I get two-year wonders go, yo, you're going to retire? You're going to retire right now. I, I need you to, I need you, all of your wisdom to impart on me, you know? It's, it's crazy. It's crazy the, that people don't want to, they're not even trying to hear that conversation. You know? And then they know it. Well, I think for me, I can't be all about changing the culture, right? If I don't, if I'm not here having these conversations, be, being yeah. educated by you, I can't, you know, and, and I, and I don't want you to get mad at me, but the truth is, is that I can't relate. I can't relate to what you, it's like. Well, you, you wouldn't. How? How? Right. It's not going to be able, like, it's <laughs> not to like, like me, right? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's a whole different perspective on everything. Like growing up, like like you got the city, you know, the urban perspective. Then you got growing up in like, you know, during Brooklyn, during like the 90s, you know, in the crack era and all that shit and how that decimated the fucking community, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got all those things going. You got 9-11, yeah. you know? Yeah. You got all those things that legitimately can change your outlook, you know? Mm -hmm. like, I mean, and look, I went to college in the middle of rural Vermont. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was, I remember, I, and this, this is another blacky black. Remember how we talked about levels of black, right? Yeah. So, my first, my first week at Norwich, right? So, for y'all, I went to a military academy. Um, you know, Norwich University is one of the first military schools, blah, 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 right? So, there was, there was a senior cadet, 
and he brought us all in a room in his dorm room, right? All the black cadets that were from the freshman class, right? It was like 15 of us. He, we stuffed in a room, right? And he goes, we're going to have a conversation. And I go, what the fuck did I do? I just got yelled at by drill sergeants for a goddamn week. What I do now? And you know what he said to us? He goes, listen, you are black. You're not allowed to fuck up. Because if you fuck up, then they're never going to give us a chance. Yeah. Right? They're never going to let us shine. So right. you, it is your responsibility to make sure that you are your, your brother's keeper. None mm-hmm. of y'all fuck up. Don't do nothing stupid. Don't steal shit. I don't care what. You, if you need money, you come to me. You know, tell me the truth so I can lie to you. That's the first thing he fucking said to me. Right? Who gets that speech? At, yeah. at 18 years yeah. old. I mean, because I, I got skipped the grade. I didn't go to fourth grade. I got skipped. So, you know, I was 17 in college. Right? Who has that conversation? Think about the gravity of that shit. Like, yo, you saying, all right, man, listen, just because you're black, don't mean, you know, you got to do this shit. Uh-huh. Fuck up, because you gonna fuck it up for everybody else. Yep. Yeah. And that's what it looks like with the protests, you know. You got like the right. protests, and then you got right. folks up in Target. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And now in Miami, right now, right. So all the Antifa people and all these other paid protesters, right? They came out here to Miami and they started looting shit. And then black dudes from the hood, right? Because you can always tell when it's hood dudes, because real Miami people don't go to Bayside, they don't go to South Beach, right? Mm-hmm. So you could, that's how you know that it's paid protesters doing this shit. They're beating these guys' asses. Like, yo, we came out here for a peaceful protest. Don't come fuck that up because then the cops gonna fuck us all up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I guess my question, man, like, and what's bothering me, yeah, when we started doing this line of work, it was about fairness. It was about accountability, integrity, mm-hmm. like, and that was for everybody. Like, you didn't take an oath to say, you know, I'm going to just go police in the black neighborhood. I'm going to just go police, yeah. police in the white, you know, America, whatever. It was for everybody. So when we look at injustices that occur, it's like, if it's negative, it's like associated with black, right? And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing like, well, you know, the blacks are looting, the blacks are doing this. I'm like, yo, son, like, what, are y'all like missing all these white folks out here doing the same shit? That shit is media, yo, that is media perception, yo. Like, my boy right now, Aaron, he on uh, Huge Fat Loser on Instagram, right? He doing a whole tirade about that shit because what he's doing is anytime the media posts a picture or a video, he'll screenshot it and then he'll show the whole video. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he goes, oh, so, so the cops was beating somebody ass. Or this black guy was looting, right? No, that black guy actually wasn't fucking looting. And what he was doing was he was stopping the other people from fucking looting. So he's been doing like that for like a week now. And people are like, oh, shit. So they're really not doing No. But then, but then you got the ones that are supposed to be, you know, we look at facts, right? We're like, let's get the facts and, yeah, yeah. you know, lock somebody up based on facts and so forth and so on. Right. But then when it comes to shit like this, we, we, we're facts adverse. Like, we don't want to get all the facts when it comes to situations like this. We'd rather just go ahead and point the blame at one group immediately without even having all the facts. Yeah. Yet when a officer is involved in a questionable use of force where they could have used other means, mm. you know, they're like, well, well, let's wait and get all the facts. I had guys, mm. you know, some and I was very vocal about it. You got these big pages that are like, oh, we want to wait till all the facts come out. Well, I'm like, he was on his neck for like eight minutes. How many more facts do you need? 
Mm. Like, before you come out and speak against what's going on. Nick, oh, you know, that's I, exactly, one time, that's exactly, ask Nick, I, I was popping off, but I didn't give a fuck. No, don't me. worry, I was, I was selling out hard. I was like, I was yeah. pulling up on everybody when that shit happened. Yeah. And then, then I, I, I was even pulling up on some IG influencers, right? All these other right. cops that want to come out here and fucking clout chase. Like, yo, you wasn't doing none of that shit just a couple weeks ago when cops exactly. were beating people ass for not wearing a fucking mask, right? Yep. Ain't none of y'all was saying that shit. But now, because you feel like be, that if you don't say something, then you're you're like you know with with the Minneapolis cop that did that shit. No, Bro, like you, you, you should be him, doing that shit before. You had him speaking like, you know. Well, I don't want to upset you know the law enforcement by saying something right now. You know, I'm like, bro, like, isn't this supposed to be about doing the right thing, or is it about? maintaining your followership which one is it about and I'm, I'm starting to you know i'm starting to see like hopefully people are noticing these clout chasers on instagram and facebook and all these other platforms is using uh situations like this to capitalize on their brand mm -hmm. right yeah because they want to appease their brothers in blue and, and again until we can hold each other accountable you know, in and out of roll call, on the streets, in the personal life, and so forth and so on. If it's a true brotherhood, you'll be able to call them out on MBS. And we're not doing yeah. that in law enforcement. And this is why we continue to have these problems. Because Everybody wants can, to tiptoe through the tulips, man. It, well, it's it's I, crazy. Well, and, a, and I just want to say this, and, okay. and that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. But I want you to know from a white cop, you have to understand too, and it's not okay. This is why I'm gonna be vocal. This is why I wanna put it out there. But I can just say like, we, we are just so uneducated, you guys. Like, but even then, even besides that, just simple stuff like what well, one time just said, right? Being able to call out your coworker, right? Everybody wanna talk about camaraderie and blue blood and all this other shit, right? Yeah, when shit right. is sweet, when shit is sweet. When it's not sweet though, everybody wanna be like, you know, they wanna go hide and they don't want to get called out by the sergeant or whatever. Like, let me tell you, you can, I wish, I'm going to bring on some of my coworkers so y'all can really understand how roll call used to be. Yo, it was like war. If you were like a piece of shit cop, you would get called out at roll call. Like, yo, you're a hairbag, and if you do that shit again, we're going to have problems. You know? And, and like, the rookies would be in the room anymore. like, yeah, rookies would be in the room like, oh, shit, this cop just said he's going to fuck up that other guy? Hell yes. Yup. <laughs> I'm gonna put the pause on you and the sergeant, go ahead and leave the room because you don't want to hear this shit. Because department policy says as long as the sergeant don't know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, you, listen. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My bad, my bad. Autumn, like, Autumn, how do you think, I mean, if you're a king for a day, what would be solutions that you present to the table? I want, I just want, I want the police force to have conversations and education like this. To me, you you don't you don't understand how like how mind expanding this is for somebody like me, for John, for Corinne, who I didn't know. I did I did I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be. I don't know what it's like to be black. I don't know what it's like to be a black cop. I, I have no idea. You, you know, Sierra was just telling us a story about a few days ago how she experienced pulling up next to a vehicle um, at Goodwill with a Confederate flag. One time, I don't have that experience. And, and so when, we, when I see these people, you know, being like, you don't know what it's like to, 
you know, to be afraid every day. I thought they were like, you know, police officers, you are, you, you don't know what it's like to be me, so fuck you and fuck the police. But through having these discussions, I am understanding it's not about fuck the police. It's really just about, yo, you just don't know what it's like to be me and my life matters. So mm -hmm. wake the fuck up. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And so I just, I'm here, I want to hear you. I'm just saying, give me, tell me what to say. Tell me what, tell me what needs to be said because I plan on educating my followers, educating. I don't give a fuck. I'm not doing Guys, you know, I'm not doing it for likes. Because if I was, you know what I'm saying? My page would be a lot different. Tits out, ass out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so you busted it open for the ground. That's right. That's right. But you know that's not what I'm doing. I, I want to You know, I want to, we need to change the culture, right? And so I can't change the culture if I'm ignorant and I don't know this shit. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted you to come on. I wanted, you know, I want to have this conversation. Like, all right, like, so the biggest thing you guys are seeing right now is it that fucking blue lives are just trying to make it all about them? Is that like what we're seeing? Like, t tell me. I want to know. I mean, you're a fucking blue Hell life. Yeah, so listen, it's not like you're yo, being it's it's. You gotta remember, man. Cops got ego, right? So cops got real fragile egos, right? You can't tell them right. shit because they're getting their feelings, right? As soon as you tell them something, right? Even another cop would tell them something. They're like, no, nah, man, it's not like that, bro. Right. And then and, you know, so they already have the fragile ego. Right. So as soon as somebody like tries them and like kind of puts a little chink in their armor, the first thing they do, they become super defensive. Right. Yeah. So then they're like, all right, well, it's, it's all about the blue. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It is. It is about the blue. But you know what? You don't have to be a fucking scumbag about it. Right. Like, it's not hard. I, you know, and I know my, you know, I have to kind of check myself sometimes because like one of my, one of my best friends, Dutch, you'll love her, Autumn. I'm going to introduce you to her soon, right? Her name is Ricky, but her last name is Van Brackle. So she's a Puerto Rican, a black Puerto Rican girl with a freaking name like that, right? <laughs> so she always says, she goes, yo, you got to remember certain people, this policing shit comes really easy. You know, it's, it's, you don't have to get forced to talk to people. You don't have to get forced right. to talk to the community. You know, you don't have to get forced to come out of your car and, and go to in, in front of the corner store in a bodega or whatever and chop it up, right? When I was in narcotics, you know what made me a really good narco cop? Was because I could talk to doughboys. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I ain't never been no doughboy in my life, right? But they were like, damn, yo. Mickey J, he ain't putting the cuffs on tight. He ain't, he ain't pressing me. He knows I'm selling right now. He not pressing me. No, I was like, no, why would I press you for a dime bag when I can get you with a kilo next week? Right. I'm telling that. Uh -huh. I was like, I'll wait. I'm going to be patient. You're going to fuck up, and I'm going to be patient, right? But that's all it takes. It's a little bit of empathy, right? Was I going to go press his baby mama for info? Maybe I could do that, you know, sometimes. But I'm not going to do it all the time. And that's all, that's all they want. That's all people want. They just want to be treated like a fucking human being, you know? And, and some of these offices, I know that the us versus them shit, I mean, I came up in that generation, you know, when yeah. it was like, yo, fuck everybody, you know what I'm saying? If you ain't blue, or you ain't getting your ID ran, then you ain't shit, right? right. I came up in that generation, you know? And I kind of even thought that for a little bit. But when you really come to think of it, you know, does that even make sense? Because you're, you're only going to be a cop for eight and a half hours a day. Exactly. You know? And and a lot that. of these officers don't really understand that, you know. They don't really they don't really get 
Like you gotta go home, motherfucker. <laughs> like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna see that you're gonna see that perp in Walmart. You go, you know how many times I haven't seen perps like on South Beach? I had a guy locked up for robbery one time. Armed robbery. Dude did a whole dime piece in federal jail. So you know you do that shit the whole time, right? Ain't no ain't no time served in that shit. You're doing it 10 days, 10 years, right? Homeboy sees me. I'm drunk as shit in South Beach with one of my ex-girlfriends who's like my best friend, right? We're in, in South Beach, drunk as shit. He sees me. And you know what he says? Typical perp, right? This is how you know you run into people you locked up. Hey, do you have the time? They always say the same shit. I don't know why. He goes, do you have the time? And I go, he goes, what's up, detective? I go, Ronnie? He goes, yeah. He goes, yo, man, listen, yo, ain't no pressure. I ain't going to pull up on you like that. I, you know, I just want to say you treated me like a gentleman. You want me to buy you a drink? Homeboy buys me a fucking drink. And not no bullshit either. He got me like top shelf. <laughs> you know? I was like, hey, you know what? It was business, brother. I understand. You did the lick. I got you. It is what it is. We move on. Mm-hmm. And if more cops understood that, that it's, it's a all-encompassing kind of thing, yeah. you know, just, just not even a black and white thing, just a person thing, mm-hmm. they, they could get so much farther. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be getting hit in the head with fucking bricks right now. You know, just being honest. Do you think that, like, you know, one thing like Sierra and I were talking about yesterday, she was like, Autumn, these protesters just want to be heard. It's just, you know, and, and we talked about Colin Kaepernick. Now, this is another discussion I want to have because I'm going to tell you something. I, up until yesterday, I had beef with that guy back because I thought he was shitting on our country. Nope. And I, and exactly, look, see, look at John. He, he's saying the same thing. We're both like, you know, but because we don't know. But Sierra's like, Autumn, no, that's not what he's saying. He's protesting in a way that is going to turn heads. And what yeah. he's saying is, no, fucking shit's not right. Black Lives Matter. Uh-oh. Oh, and she was, and the thing was, is that he was protesting specifically police injustice. So he was saying this, he was saying the same shit that all of us were saying, which was, hey, you know what, guys do need better training. Guys do need to do this. They do need to, you know, change the academy or whatever. He was saying the same shit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, you know, and, and you know, maybe it's my fault for not doing my due diligence. Watch him get signed to an NFL team right now. Watch. Watch my fucking words. He's going to go to the New England Patriots or somebody like that. Watch. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Dead ass. He's going to go to either the Patriots. He's going to go to a team like the Jets. He's going to go somewhere where it's a big market. And they're going to be like, yo, my bad. I'm telling you. Yeah. One time. What do you think? Tell me. About Kaepernick? No, just anything. So Tupac said a while ago, better days. <laughs> better days. Album, I posted it. They don't give a fuck about us. It's been on repeat. But he said, uh, we need help because we dying. Give us a chance. Help us advance because we trying. You ignored our whole plea be- watching us in disgust. Then you beg when my guns bust. They don't give a fuck about us. What does that sound like? That sound like today. Mm-hmm. You ignore my whole plea, but you watch us on TV and discuss, right? We've been asking for help. I mean, the black community been asking for help. 
not asking for handouts, you know. Affirmative action didn't really hasn't really, you know, impacted African Americans all that much. FYI, America, you know, other groups have, have benefited from affirmative action, welfare, specifically white other. women who you know needed better pay rates. If, so, if the statistics show that, right? Statistics are there. Like so, every but every every system that you know most people think impact African-Americans hadn't. The only thing that adversely affected African-Americans is welfare. <laughs> it kicked the father out of the house and it made it more, you know, financially beneficial for women to keep men out of the household. Matter of fact, if you had a man in the house, he had to get out before the welfare person came in to do their little check. So you can get your monthly check and your $25, you know, uh, rent. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But my, but my thing is like, look, there's some disparities. Like, and when we yeah. talk about law enforcement, we must be educated yeah. on the people we deal with, yeah. the communities. You can't, we gotta stop, you know, we're recruiting at colleges and stuff and we bringing these little nerds in and they're going, they grew up in suburbs. Autumn, you and I talked about it. They grew up in the suburbs and they go police in the hood and have no idea how to interact with people. Right, and yeah. and they don't take the time to even educate themselves on the group in which they're going to police, which is ass backwards to me. And but we're perpetuating the cycle. The school system here doesn't even talk about African American history like at all, yeah. just a little bit. They might yeah. throw you a Martin Luther King bone and tell you to shut up, but outside of that, they don't really teach American African American yeah. history. No. All right, so then you get you know. Um, you get people like yourself, I mean, I mean, in a derogatory way, but that'll come in and you go out here and don't know how to deal with black folks. Hell, you don't know shit about, all you know about black people is what you see on YouTube nowadays, Instagram feeds, and if you'll cop what other cops are posting in these blogs, 100%. period. Yeah. And so that shapes, what makes it any different than the psychological warfare that was, you know, launched in World War One and Two or you know, during the Vietnam War. What information is power, right? That propaganda is power. I mean, disinformation campaigns are being ran daily, you know, by Russians and Chinese every day here in America. And Americans don't know that, right? They don't notice the bots. They don't do an extra extra research when somebody's coming on their, their page that has one follower, you know what I mean, and one picture. Mm-hmm. But they 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 continue to perpetuate this this diff, disinformation cycle, and paint groups to be you know one way, specifically African Americans, and it's that for officers who's supposed to be one of law and integrity, they don't do any fact check, and they they grow they do their whole fucking career treating people in the image that they've been treated since the '60s because they think it's right. They think that's the way, they think that's good police work. You know, they think that's good police work. When they give a little extra punch, when they put the handcuffs on or they slam a guy real hard, ain't nobody saying, hey, bro, you didn't have to do all that. They, they give them a pat on the back and say, I'm going to buy you a drink, man. Good job. Now what? We're reinforcing bad behavior. We're reinforcing bad behavior. And we're reinforcing the fact that 
yeah, black lives don't mean shit. Because I don't see white folks getting slammed like that. You don't see no videos circulating on the internet with white boys getting beat up or shot, you know. You know, you don't see that shit. Like, that's a sign in itself. Like, it's a disparity. But law enforcement officers don't want to acknowledge that shit. They, when we bring that up, they like, no, it ain't no race issue, man. It's, you know, they, it, it, racism don't exist. I mean, Eric, tell me and Eric, uh, which who's forensics on uh, Instagram, but he's like, yo, dog, like, I didn't, I, I'm questioning, like, if this, I was questioning, like, did racism exist growing up? And he said, this got me reevaluating that. I'm like, how are you, like, 30 and don't think racism existed in America? But when you grow up in white America, you don't know. Exactly. Which is you don't know. You, you don't know. And I don't think it'll ever, we won't ever get to the point where white America would know. Again, we're divided. What it takes is just be empathetic, empathetic and just treat everybody fair. Right? Like, black people don't deserve to get treated or hit. I mean, I, I've watched videos where women been getting hit in the head and shit like that. I'm like, I would, I couldn't have did that on the road just because I could see, like, that could have been my mother. Like, I wouldn't hit my mom like that. Like, and, and it's that same thing. Like, when you see a kid, little white kid, he breaks into the store, he does something stupid, drinking and driving, trooper pulls him over and say, you know, gives him a break. And he said, you know what? I've been there before. You know, I was, I was a 16-year-old kid before. You know, oh, we can look past that. Black kid does it. You know, he get treated different. Because he can't relate to him. He can't say, you know what, I, I identify with him. But to the point, we can say, tear down the, the racial barrier and say, you know what, Autumn, she didn't grow up well, I did, but God damn it, she's a woman. I need to treat her with respect, right? Because I got a wife. I got a daughter. I got a mother, right? So color shouldn't matter at that point. Because at the end of the day, George Floyd, right, everybody's saying, well, he's a father. He was a he was a son of somebody. We want to retroactively be human. How about uh -huh. be a human when you're on the scene? Uh -huh. You get what I'm saying? Like we like to, we hindsight is 2020, but we can't afford to be doing that shit in law enforcement, playing Monday morning quarterback. We need to be human when we strap up and hit the streets. It's time to be a human. We need, matter of fact, we need to be the best human we can be yeah. when we get on the street because the decisions we make impact people's lives whether it's writing a ticket or using force yeah. those those decisions impact people's lives and until these cornballs and these fucking and they're you know oakley shades with the reflection on them you know rocking police gear on and off duty 24 7 that's living and dying by it, don't have shit else to do in their life you know straight up tackle berries you know these motherfuckers are sitting inside of these blogs and you know, they live on there off duty. They have no life right. until we get those people mm -hmm. either out of the profession or get to a point where we can hold them accountable for their fucking, you know, their 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 fucked up view of the world. Autumn, we'll be back here again having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that as sad as it may seem. Again, because we got a problem. Account accountability in law enforcement, acknowledgement for white America, and those are, those are the, those are the two big things, right? And I'll say blacks, come 
listen to the police. Somebody has told black folks they can resist and not get their ass whooped. And sometimes in the defense of officers, you know, they need to do some strikes to loosen them up to get their hand. Whereas the, if the guy just go ahead and let them cuff them, you won't get struck. Right. It's somebody, well, well I got to get, like, you pull me over. Well, I can't get you. You don't need my driver. Like, you tell me why you pulled me over. Right. See, I grew up in an era where you respect the police. Mm -hmm. So you're wrong. That's why yeah. you got due process, right? Mm -hmm. right? Give me your driver's license. If you ain't done shit wrong, give me your driver's license. Right. But somebody's teaching African Americans that uh, the U.S. owes you something that we got. Oh, you, the America don't owe you shit, first off. Mm -hmm. Dude, you ain't no different than any other perk that get pulled over. Right. You got to give it up, give it up. Mm -hmm. Some of these instances could be solved. Yeah. Been resolved. You know, uh, don't do shit that you're going to get the police called on you for. Don't commit mm -hmm. the act. Now, that's not to minimize many deaths, that unnecessary deaths that's taking place. But let me, I can, I think I'm, uh, I can, I'm verify, I can say this shit. I'm black. White folks. <laughs> I can say this, but look at the guard, uh, the Eric Gardner situation, right? Um, what what was he doing that led to you know the police being there? Right, he was selling like cigarettes, right? Most places that's a that's a crime, right? You can't do that. Um, well, if you never would have sold the cigarettes, one could argue that the police would have never came. Um, everything after that, I don't agree with. Like, you got like eight motherfuckers around, you know. Yeah, he big, but you telling me you can't let him up so he can breathe? Mm -hmm. Like, nobody on scene said, you know, I let my mans up. Mm -hmm. So it's a two part thing. Like, bro, like, don't sell cigarettes. One, like, that, <laughs> like, you won't even be here. But two, okay, you got eight people out there. Oh, he big and he's scary. He was a threat. You know, that's the favorite line. Everybody like to say, you know, black folks are threat. You know, I felt my life was in danger. But you got eight people down there. Y'all got a problem if y'all can't take care of one dude. Uh -huh. Right? So it's a two-part thing. Uh, Floyd, what was he doing? Bad checks. You know, he was forging checks. And, oh, that's, a, that's a crime. I'm not going to overlook that. Because in the black community, we never do after-action reports. Well, why did this happen? We don't keep it 100 with ourselves, but we expect America to keep it 100 with us. What led him to do this? So don't write bad checks, right? That's that's one. Well, two, the other part, two part. Again, if you don't write a bad check or whatever it was, forge your check, you wouldn't be here. On the contrary, you complied, you got put on the ground, man just let up, he would still be alive, right? And we can probably do this for a lot of, it might be some outliers that look, they just fucked up, like South mm -hmm. Carolina. My man shot him in the back, then tried to throw the little the taser down on the ground or something. You know, mm -hmm. shit like that. You can't I'm gonna give a damn. I had somebody try to tell me that well, you could probably argue that that was justified. Like, so you telling me shooting a motherfucker in the back like five times, you can find a way to justify that? Right. Doing the mafia that. I think so the worst one is the one the one that just happened in Louisville. Yo, how you? How are you a detective, right? I know you did a ninja's report on that house, so you should know whether or not it's the right house. How you hit the wrong trap house, and then you don't tell who you, because I know what you did, right? Because I've been in narcotics before, right? You, police, 
We're coming in, right? You ain't loud. They ain't being loud with that shit if it was them <laughs> doing a warrant. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, of course, homeboy gonna bow up and start shooting. You don't know who the fuck you are. Right. Right? So, then he gonna shoot, right? You shot him, right? And then they shot him and they killed his girl who didn't yeah. even have a gun. So, that means that you had horrible trigger discipline and you fucked up. And how you ain't getting jammed up yet, I don't know. No, because they will use the Fourth Amendment. They'll say, well, he did everything right by the book. And in good faith, he was acting, so he'll get off, you know? Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing, too, is the media, right? So the whole big thing now that the, some asshole senator is trying to pass is the whole qualified immunity thing, right? Most people have no idea what qualified immunity actually is. But they just think, well, because the, the, the big reform that everybody wants right now is if a cop fucks up, they should be legally held accountable and have to pay out any, um, what is damages. it, like any, any kind of damages, right? Yeah. You wouldn't have anybody signing up. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> I wouldn't do that shit. So wait, so a car accident, because I, I didn't, I shot a guy, and, you know, social media made it look bad. Now I'm going to get jammed up and, and have to, you know, put my family in the poorhouse for that? Hell no. That's why when... I've been sued before. I've been sued twice already. Once for excessive force and once for officer-involved shooting, right? Let me tell you, my, I have nothing in my name, right? My house, you know, who, you know, so when you buy a house, you can, like, use aliases and things like that to cover up your name. My house is named under Axel Foley from Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I don't want to get my shit taken. <laughs> Straight up. I want to add this in too because you, when you look at it's not just really the Afri all about the African American and white relationship in the community and law enforcement uh, law enforcement uh, culture I think law enforcement I, and again I've already read up recommendations I've sent them to the president vice president I've sent them to anybody that will listen because I think we need police reform. My reform looks a little bit different though. Okay. And I, and I, I would tell you this, I do have a top secret clearance and in order to keep my job, I have to disclose my finances. I go through, I do uh, a polygraph every five years or if not sooner, it's kind of a continual thing. Uh, I disclose my finances every year. I, um, I have a reinvestigation every five years and it's kind of continual based on some other factors. You tell me now that's just to protect classified information. You tell me why we don't have more strict vetting processes and continual vetting processes for a profession that can take a life and take freedom. Mm -hmm. Once you go through your initial background investigations, most of the time, that's it. You're done, mm. right? You don't, unless you mess up somehow, like you're basically done. So my question is why can't we, why don't we have stricter things? So what I suggest is we have a continual vetting process, which means once you come on, that's not it, right? We're gonna check you out and, uh, investigate you again, go talk to your wife, ex-wives, and, you know, go to your local taverns, and we're going to continue to investigate you. We're going to do random polygraphs, right? We're going to check your social media feed and see what you're putting up. 
Now, one can argue civil liberties and, and all that stuff like that, which I know that will come up. But because you're a government agent, in my, in my frank view, because my agency does it to me, you know, like I'm a government agent. I give up some of those rights, right, working here. Why don't we have that same kind of coverage in law enforcement? Would that not change some minds before they start doing stuff if they knew that they're going to have a reinvestigation okay. coming up, mm -hmm. right? But law enforcement doesn't do anything like that. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's very detailed, but I think we need law enforcement reform from that perspective. We need continual vetting uh, and continual evaluate, evaluation within law enforcement to keep, to keep good cops honest, mm -hmm. right? I guarantee I worked with some people that were probably on the fringe of doing something fucked up and thought about their job because they knew that reinvestigation was going to happen. Okay. Right. It keeps you honest. Right. Yeah. Just like that's, that's why people are religious. Right. So most of them, it keeps them honest. They're like, you know what? Shit, if I fuck, I'm going to hell. Can't do that. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's some accountability. Right. <laughs> like it's, but once you get in law enforcement, that is it. Like you know, once you pass your initial background investigation and all that stuff, there's no real follow up unless you fuck up or have a complaint. And I don't think that's good enough, right. especially when you have the power that you have within the um, um, within the community. That's a good point. It's like that one of the Minneapolis guy. What do you have? Eighteen complaints in twelve years. Like there should yeah. be like an annual review if you have complaints. Like, so that's one a year, and in a couple of years he had more than one. Well, I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of yeah, though, so I can't. I can't really argue that one. Yeah, I, I got a lot. And and I do agree with that. I, here's where I go on that is I do believe that sometimes, like when you're when you're a cop, you do piss a lot of people off, and so you can get a you can get a lot of complaints. But here's the thing, I think that the cult, I think that the agency should have stepped in, fucking yeah. eight complaints ago, ten complaints ago. Yeah. And let's like, because I really fully believe that culture of that agency is toxic as fuck, and like. But this is where I go, like, and this is what I'm gonna stand on after being educated and having these beautiful conversations with you guys is, but I, I wanna go back to the agency cause I'm gonna fucking tell you, there's no reason why we're not having this kind of conversation. There's no reason like, like having you got like somebody like one of you like, just talk to these agencies, talk to these fucking cops and be like, yo guys, like, you know what I mean? Like what you said one time about, yo, like you don't even know, but you've got fucking bias cause I was raised all white. My girl, Sierra, she's the only black girl that I fucking hung out with. I mean, that was it. It was just you growing up my whole life, you know, but, but that's it. You know what I'm saying? And so I do, but, but I didn't know that. Like right. until you pointed it out to me in a very respectful, but honest way. And you're like, yeah, but look, God, I'm like, this person's not like you, but so you're going to try to, you're going to like, you know, work with a person that's like you, or you're going to talk to the people that are like, you the way that you talk to them and that could be offensive and you could get you know you could get offended when when a black person starts swearing and yelling at you but they they're they're not really yelling at you they're just telling you like they're just talking like, to you right, right? And, yep. like perfect example of that is with haitians you ever talk to haitians <laughs> they are loud as fuck right and it's not a disrespect thing it's just a cultural thing right uh -huh. yo you come to South Florida and Haitians look like they're gonna pop off at you. They're gonna be talking. They, they you know, they. And the same thing with Cubans, right? Cubans will come, oh yeah, and they speak like English, speak Spanglish, right? Oh yeah, bro, 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 and like you're 
if you don't know that culture, you're thinking, hmm, he's being <laughs> super aggressive to me because he's talking <laughs> with his hands, worse than Italians. So I might, this, this might be a threat and you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. I'm telling you, like, we, we had to have a whole class on that when I, when I came to Miami about Haitians, like, you know, going to like a Haitian household, you know, or like going to an Asian household, right? You can't walk in a Chinese person's house with your shoes on, you know? That's a big one, right? That's like mad disrespectful. Like, yo, they will pop off on you if you walk <laughs> in their house with shoes. For but sure. that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So why as no. cultural, as culture, in as first responders, I mean, let's just fucking take it to the next level. It's not just cops. I mean, we got EMTs and firefighters, and we got dispatchers, we have correctional officers, we've got probation officers. I mean, we have this first responder culture. Why? Th this is what I'm trying to say, though, is like, it is, I'm not taking it off. I'm not taking racism. I'm not taking it off the cops. I'm not I'm not taking it off the individual, but I also believe at the exact same time, culturally, th that we need to be getting educated. We need to be having these conversations. This is what has to change, right? I'm, so I'm, I'm, I think that, and I'm sticking to my thing, yo. Listen, you gotta get rotated out. You can't be in patrol in the hood for more than three years. After I, that, But yo, then I never need... worked the hood. <laughs> so I'm telling you, but from, I, I worked the hood for my whole career, yo. Like that shit is toxic. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, and the thing is, I even broke it up. I broke it up over time and it was still bad, you know? And it, it got, I mean, like working like plain clothes is a little different because you're on the investigative side, so you're more reactive. But, you know, even just working patrol, like that, that is a mundane task and it can really adversely affect you. And I, I really think, like, I genuinely think that is one of the reasons that that cop in Minneapolis or the two senior guys were really not empathetic at all. Like, I, you know, the people callous, say, callous to, callous to the they're, job, man. Yeah, they're so callous to the job. And I mean, like, I've never been on that bad. I mean, I was like a, you know, excuse my French, a cunt here away from that, you know, but I checked myself, you know, because I was like, damn, yo, I really didn't give a fuck about that dude. Like, I'm telling you, I remember I had an eight-year-old one time die in front of me. Right, uh, uh, it was like a gate fell on them, right? You know what was the first thing I said to my rookie? I said, oh, fuck, we're going to be here a little while, man. Panera closes at nine. We're definitely not going to make that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I was like, yo, I really wanted that tomato soup. I said that. <laughs> and, and the rookie looked at me. Yo, that kid looked at me like, you're a morbid motherfucker. Like, yeah, you need psych help. You're like, what is wrong with you, bro? Like, yes. You get yes, callous, you get callous to it, though. He legitimately was like, yo, you need to go see a shrink. Mm -hmm. well, well, I just... Yeah, he, go ahead. You know? I was saying, like, I come from a background of, like, sociology and social work, so it's just, like, habit. I'm always trying to see everybody's perspective, you know, in a situation. And seeing that, you know, obviously... You know, I care about black lives, but I also care about blue lives. And I'm always trying to figure out, you know, like, first of all, hurt people hurt, you know, and it's a matter of breaking the chain. But then also you got to look like as you were talking about your reform, like, you know, I think that's beautiful because it will detox the PD. You know what I mean? Because it's like you look at the history and I was telling Autumn, like, police were the original slave catchers. You know what I mean? And then I signed on. You know, and then as time goes on, it's like, and then Klan had a huge presence in the police department. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
the tension between the black community and law enforcement is like historically, you know, it's always like you don't know if you could trust that one because you don't know, you know, the perspective because not everybody was always on the same page, you know what I mean? But yet, you know, they managed to get up in there, you know, they're supposed to serve and protect, but then it's like they put their uniform on and then at night they got the hood on, you know, it's like you don't know, you know, so that's why it's the, just the, the detrust, you know. And so I'm thinking like, you know, you were talking about what could we do? And I was like, man, I wonder what a city hall would look like if it's like you had the leaders from law enforcement there and you had the community come in and you mm -hmm. talk about some things, you know, quarterly or something like that. And yeah. really, because if they tie into the community, really engage with their community, I feel like that would start to break down some of those barriers. Like, what's mm -hmm. that one famous cop, Norman, um, bald head guy, white guy out of Arkansas? Because yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, about. he's yeah. all up through the black communities, handing out backpacks when schools are starting, and, you know, during, like, uh, daylight saving times, like, when the kids are out there at the school bus, but it's dark, he'll come out there, shine a light to the kids, get on the bus. I mean, like, that's dope as hell, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? You, find, you don't find guys like that too much, but nowadays, because of the internet and social media, and at first I was like, cause I was seeing a lot of people doing what Norman was doing. I think that's his name. And I'm like, are you all doing it for clout? Or are you doing it for, cause now I, I start feeling like everybody started doing that, going out to the hood, taking pictures with kids, playing basketball and recording it just so they can get some attention. But yeah. what are you doing when the cameras ain't rolling? Right. Who's handling your calls? That's why I didn't like Officer Norman. I was like, yo, you, you got you got all that time bullshitting, but you know what? That robbery holding, that, that, that domestic holding, you know what I'm saying? He, wait, he waiting to somebody go ten, uh, saying route. That's what he waiting Exactly. On. That's what he waiting for. And then he going to be like, oh, show me on that signal 14 or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to be out here on this block. Like, I know the game. You was a scammer, son. Don't play with me. Uh, he can't be. His wife is black. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, this, that is, this shit. is a good platform, Look. though, to be able to have dialogue like this. <laughs> uh, from a leadership perspective, I think it, it trickles down. This is one of those trickle downs of uh, uh, efforts that has to start at the top. It has to start with, you know, the president. It has to start with Congress. It has to go down to the state level, uh, to city administrators. And it has to, you know, go to the, the deputy sheriffs and the the commissioners and city uh, personnel, the chiefs, like we start changing the culture. We can start at the bottom, but it t it's kind of one of those, we need to kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. Like we're doing our effort, our initiatives here, yeah. but we do need to have conversations. As you stated, going to the department and having these dialogues, training, like we offer unconscious bias training at my department. We had a, a vendor come in, it was a while ago, but officers got something from it um and looking on youtube they got great youtube videos on unconscious bias uh reading more you know what reading about, the uncom uncomfortable oh, books what you say what about like what about mental health like um within law enforcement because yeah i feel yeah. like it's just like with the military you know it's like like you said, it's like over time, you know, he's over there thinking about his tomato soup, you know, it's just right, like, yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. It's like, you know, how routinely are they 
you know, within never uh, <laughs> course, like they, you know, they don't, you know, without putting the negative stigma, you know, because I mean, me and my husband, we always have that conversation. It's just kind of like, if you want to make a career out of this, you can't speak on anything traumatic that happens to you. Otherwise, look, you can't stay in, you can't maintain, you know. They're going to take your guns. They're going to take your gun. That's the yeah, first thing they're going to do. Like, and I know people have gotten their guns taken, you know. So, like, what I did, right, when, when I was going, you know, through my little thing, right, I just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to a shrink, but I'm going to pay for it myself in cash. And nobody has to know, you know, and it worked out for me. They should offer, they should be offering like, you know, again, I've wrote much more about this morning from a reform standpoint, offering independent entities that law enforcement officers can go to that will, there's kind of paid for, you know, by the department and they can go and have a conversation with a shrink or, or somebody they can just let that stuff out to. That's what it boils. That means because people don't have any any way to decompress when they start seeing all this stuff. And if you do it within the community, your boys look at you like you you're weak. And then if you go to your supervisor, well, there is derelict of duty if they don't report it up to chain of command yep. and do something. They don't get jammed up. So then you that you know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. The U.S. in general hasn't done a good job of taking care of law enforcement. Right. Uh, generally, I think uh, I, I never served. I started policing at 21, but I think um, they should have educational benefits. I think yep. uh, they should have mental health benefits. And, in, you know, some cases, maybe a stress, maybe even, you know, federally backed health care benefits. Uh, you know, we can put times on it. We can discuss the, the, the specs later, but it's no reason that officers must deal with this stuff in a, in, a, in, a, in a box alone without any help. I agree. And, you know, like, listening to you guys earlier, like, you know, like, I'm pissed, I'm pissed. I, I'm on that too. But at the same time, I feel like the emotion that's in me the most is fear. Like, I'm so scared because it's like, you know, and all the stuff that's jumping off down there, it's like these officers go on site not knowing what exactly they're going to be dealing with because everybody has so much emotion. And yeah, there's some peaceful protests, but then you got people attacking them, jacking up their cars. It is like, they scared too. You know, and it's like, when everybody run around scared, you know, how people are going to respond, you know? And it's just like, I'm, I'm scared now just because I know some law enforcement is scared. <laughs> and it's like, and I know they're not getting that proper treatment you know within the agency to combat and decompress and talk about what the hell did just happen you know like with these riots you know they going out there and then what happens they go home they go to sleep and then they go go back out there again and they're gonna keep doing this while these are going on and it's like where do you decompress over 20 years over 20 years you know and it's like and it's it's dangerous for everybody you know so i really feel I really feel for everybody. I feel like everybody out there walking around with PTSD. <laughs> yep. They, what is it? Like, I think, I'm telling you, that book, right? If, if you've never read it, you should. Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement, right? Awesome book. Awesome book, right? And the first time I read it, I didn't even make it all the way through it because I felt personally attacked. No. Right? Because I was like, damn, yo, he pulled up on me. Like, man, fuck you, yo. You don't know me. Like, and I'm literally reading this book feeling like, pissed off you know and i got it from another cop 
because I was in this class, this stress management class that um after like an officer involved shootings and stuff, uh, Miami Dade makes you take it. Right. It's a week long and it's like a kumbaya fest, probably one of the best classes you could ever take. And uh, all you do is work out, meditate and get acupuncture and massages all week long. So they make you read that book, though. Yeah. So they make you read that book and you have a very difficult time reading it. But you but it talks about exactly what you just said, you know, and I'm just like, damn, like. That book and and uh, what's the other one? Jocko Willing, uh, Extreme yeah. Ownership. Yeah, that's that's an amazing book. Like I, I I have it on Audible and I listen to it while I, I I'm like you know walking on the treadmill or you it know is. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have it too. Jocko Willing, Extreme Ownership. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just I just want to say thank you guys. Um, you know, this, this call, I just want to thank everybody one time next Sierra for popping on. I want to thank my mastermind members. Awesome. I, um, ha- thank I, y'all I for really, having me on too. Well, thank you for coming on. We're, you know, we're big fans. Just so you know, we're not all talking about it, but Sierra, so one, what you don't know about one time, he's a cop, but he's a hell of a hip hop artist and you have <laughs> got to listen to his music. He, I tell him all the time. Yeah, I'm tell, I tell him all the time. He, I don't know why the fuck he's not famous. It's because he doesn't want to be. It's because he doesn't want to be. But he is good enough. He's bars on bars on fucking bars. He doesn't even swear in his music. Yeah, he doesn't even swear. Me, every other word would be the f word. He, he like doesn't even swear. I like so, real rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, we're huge fans. Uh, you know, John, Corinne, and I, I know, you know, and we're, we've been, I, they send me messages, so I know that they're listening to you. So one time, anyways, exactly. I, I want to say I appreciate this. You know, as my mastermind member, Don, I appreciate you being, you know, vulnerable and raw with how, you know, you, your experiences, and, you know, Nick, as my brother, I, I appreciate that. And Sierra, too. Like, um, I think more conversations like this. Yeah. One time, do you see? Oh, baby. baby girl. I'm sorry. Can you see his screen? He's holding it up. He's, he bought your whole album. <laughs> oh, man, he did? Yeah, he did. What? <laughs> that, John. Yeah, I appreciate the love, man. <laughs> um, but I just I think more conversations like this. And yeah. I just want you guys all to, if, if you're feeling anything at all, like reach out to me and like, just make me aware of shit. Like I, I'm going on, like, I want to do it respectfully. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say something. Oh, hi baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to say things and make them be meaningful, but respectful. You know what I mean? And I want, I want the police community to hear me. So I'm going to be moving forward in this kind of mucky area. So if you see that I'm tripping, then I want to fucking DM. I need to DM and be like, oh, I'm listening. No, 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 no. Take that off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Autumn, not, I got to check, check, check out, Autumn. Hey, I appreciate everybody on here, okay? Bye. Stay safe thank and thank you for having me on. Bye. Stay safe. All right, y'all do the same. All right. I definitely have to run. I, uh, yeah. I got a flight. Yes. Five. So oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. No doubt. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Take care. Later. <laughs> thank you guys. And um, so 
I know we've been on here for two hours and 20 minutes. So here's, we have a couple options and I'm going to just leave it up to you guys. Okay. But the option is this, because if we can, I was thinking about scheduling another call, like group, like a, like a, the actual group coaching call. Um, maybe either later this week or, um, next week, just, um, in case you guys want to pop off, if somebody has something that you want to say to me, you need help with right now, I want to help you. I just, you just tell me, cause like, I just know we've been here a while. And if y'all are like, boom, like I can't think anymore, then I want <laughs> to be able to help you the best way that I can. So just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I go with the flow. I'm chilling. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm just being here. I'm like, oh, so what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad I had the day off. Yeah. 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 I mean, can we well, agree that, I'm, like, I'm, I'm curious about how your husband was after last night. Like, what time did he get in? And how, how was his, where was his heart and his mind? Like, how was that? He didn't get until 2.30 and um, in the morning he rolled out at like 7 p.m. And so he, he was exhausted and he was like, the later, he, he even said it. He's like, Autumn, he's like, when I first got there, it was no big deal. Like we had peaceful protesters, but come eight, nine o'clock, they surrounded a police vehicle. They fucking busted out a window you know, they started getting rowdy. And then as it went, they were doing drugs right in front of the cops. They were drinking. I mean, they were throwing bottles of piss. I mean, it, it got really rowdy. And so they just started, they just, do you know what I mean? So, so it was, and like, the, but the cool thing was, is a lot of the protesters, like the peaceful ones, they were trying to police the, um, the rowdy rioters. And they're like, yo, like, they'd like turn around and like, stop fucking throwing shit you know because like, the cops are gonna pop off like that's not why we're here you know yeah. and so i mean he's he's having a hard time right because and that's where the policing that's where the lines get blurred and that's why i, I want to continue to have these conversations is because it's like it's very easy to categorize everybody oh you're fucking blm you like black lives matter then you know what you're a rioter and you try to kill me mm -hmm. and you're against me mm -hmm. and it's easy for us to do that but that's really not the truth. And, and that's, I guess, why, um, you know, I guess that's why I just, I want to have these conversations.